0: Turn to Matthew 13, and we'll begin reading from the word of Christ as we pick up in our gospel according to Matthew and hear the words of Jesus where he says, On that day, Jesus went out to the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed a fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. And it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up and it was scorched since it had no root and it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. Then the disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand when their hearts and turn back, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes, because they do see. And your ears, because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, but didn't see them. And to hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground This is the one who hears and understands the word and who does produce fruit and yields some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated now. I love when my kids wanna try out their new knock-knock jokes. After you give them a good knock-knock joke, uh, you pull the... Knock, knock, who's there? Boo, boo-hoo, don't cry, it's just a joke. And they love it, and they, they laugh, and they start, they, you know, they get the punchline, and they want to come up with their own. My son Oliver, he loves to come up with his own knock-knock jokes. He was just telling me one the other day. He tries it. Knock, knock, said, who's there, buddy? And he says, Butter, that's our dog, and our 90-pound monster golden doodle. I said, okay, Butter who? And he goes, to jump on you. Get it? I said, no. I don't. I love you, son, but I don't get it. That's not funny. He goes, sure it is. Let's try it again. I'm like, I don't need to do it again. I got it the first time. He says, isn't that hilarious? No, it's not funny. There's no punchline. There's no pop. It fell flat. It didn't land. You got to be honest with your kids or they're going to end up on American Idol and they can't sing and all this stuff. It fell flat, buddy. I I don't get it. I'm gonna keep going. I don't know what to say now. Here's the thing. This is exactly what the disciples do with Jesus. He tells them the parable of the sower, and they think it doesn't have a punchline. They think it doesn't make sense. And so they come up to Jesus and say, what are you talking about? That's verse 10. Look at chapter 13, verse 10. Then the disciples came up to him and asked him, why are you speaking to them in parables? Jesus, they don't get it. Why are these parables? So parables are word pictures or illustrations or stories that have a spiritual reality to them. Either soils or a prodigal son has all kinds of different ways that Jesus talks like this. But they come up to Jesus and say, Lord, teacher, you had a great thing in the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, you were clear, you were punchy, you were convicting. The crowds walked away at the end of Matthew 7 amazed, but now you're giving them a tour of the dirt aisle at Home Depot. We don't get it, Jesus. Isn't this pretty much what he does? You got your topsoil, you got your rocky soil, you got your clay, and you got your miracle grow soil. See you next week. When I read this, it reminded me of Bubba Gump. Imagine if I came up here today and said, here's the word of the Lord that I have for you. Consider the shrimp boat, Captain, and all the different ways you can cook shrimp. You got your popcorn shrimp. You got your grilled shrimp. You got your coconut shrimp. You got your barbecue shrimp. You got your bacon-wrapped shrimp. Y'all know what I mean. See you next week. If that was all I said to you, you'd be thinking, what is Jeff talking about? And and we're supposed to know what he means? This is what the disciples, that's what Jesus says at the end of verse 9. Let anyone who hears listen. You know what I'm talking about. And they're like, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about. They don't get it. And Jesus says what? Good. That's the point. They weren't supposed to get it. Sometimes you hear people talk about parables as though, oh, Jesus uses them as illustrations to bring understanding more. And um, that's that's why we should only preach stories and all that kind of stuff. That's not at all. Look at what Jesus says about parables. Why do I talk to them in parables? Verse 11, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. So he's talking about the Pharisees and the people who have hardened their hearts towards him. This is what Jesus is saying. I am going to scramble the message now. It was coming through on crystal clear airwaves, but now I'm going to scramble the message. It's gonna be dialed to a frequency that they will not hear unless you hear by faith. It's coming in a different vehicle now. They rejected me then, and now I'm going to reject them. They're gonna hear what I say, but they won't hear me. They don't have the decoder, and they don't want it. Jesus says, I'm giving them what they want, not me. That's what he says in verse 13. Look, that's why I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, and hearing they do not listen or understand. Think about the prodigal son. The prodigal son's story about one son leaving, going into another land, going into sin, but then coming back to his father's home because he knows his father will receive him and love him again. And then that's the one son, but there's another son in the story. The older son who's leaning back and doesn't want to come in to see his brother, who doesn't want anything to do with his brother and is really upset with his father that he would welcome his sinful brother back. Jesus tells this story with a group of people who know they are sinners and need God's mercy and Pharisees who want nothing to do with God's mercy. The sinners know exactly what Jesus is talking about, those who know that they are sinners. The Pharisees don't realize oh, we're the older brother. We're the ones who are not gonna be welcomed into the kingdom because we don't want to go in. So Jesus says, I'm gonna teach these parables. They're not gonna hear. They're not gonna understand. It's just like Isaiah prophesied. They're gonna hear but not hear because they don't want to. Their hearts are gonna be hardened because they don't want me. But if they just would have listened, I would have saved them. And look, look at what happened. Verse 16. Blessed are your eyes, because they do see, and your ears, because they do hear. Hear what? What Jesus is really saying. He says, you get it. You heard me. You understand me. And he says in verse 17, I tell you, man, there are people all across the Old Testament that would have died to hear what you're hearing today. That would have died to see what you're seeing And that's very true right now, this moment. Our brothers and sisters in the Old Testament would have given their limbs to have heard the things Jesus said, to have seen the things that Jesus did. And you and I can hear them and see them now if you hear and see it by faith. So this is what Jesus is getting at. Disciples of Christ hear the parables. They consider them and they do sound kind of tricky. What's up with this dirt? Why is Jesus all obsessed with dirt? And a disciple of Christ goes, hmm, I need to study this. I gotta think about this. I gotta talk to our pastor about this. I wanna, I wanna go Google what this is about. I'm gonna open my study Bible and see. I'm gonna get some commentaries. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray through this. I'm gonna meditate on this. I wanna know. I'm gonna ask the Spirit, will you show me what this means? That's what disciples of Jesus do. They wanna hear from Jesus and they wanna understand Jesus. But those who don't really care about Jesus They can come to church every week. They can hear the scriptures. They can listen to Christian music, listen to Christian radio, and it just goes past right over their head, but they don't even care. They hear but don't hear. They see but don't see. As our friend Jared Wilson says, the parables of Jesus, they're just any old stories to some, but they are smart bombs of glory to others. So listen, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay, as the old Puritan said. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. So, this is Jesus' point. Are you ice or clay? Are you the rocky soil? Are you the good soil? You need a soil test. If you've ever bought property like our church, you know, we we own eleven acres, we're getting ready to build on it. We had to do a bunch of soil tests. Because you gotta see, can we build here? Is this good dirt? Is it strong? Do we need to bring in other dirt? We gotta weave more dirt in together. Is it steady? Is it stable? Is there anything radioactive going on in the land? Is there oil? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. You're doing a soil test. And Jesus says, you need a soil test. And a soil test happens in a hearing test, in hearing the word of the kingdom. Look at verse 18. This is what Jesus is talking about as he explains the parable of the sower, verse 18. So listen to the parable of the sower. He says, I'm gonna explain it to you. Jesus breaks down the parable for us. I love this. He is like an analyst on TV, breaking down the game, better than Joe Buck. So what Jesus does in the parable, he's drawing lines. See, this is what happens here. This is why the play fell apart. This is why the play worked. You see that movement? This is what he does when he explains the parable. And he says, first of all, as he breaks it down, he says, when anyone hears the word about the kingdom, that's the seed that's being thrown out the word about the kingdom, the gospel message, the message of God's reign and God's rule through the redeeming work of his son, Jesus of Nazareth. That word of the gospel being cast out, that there's a new king, Christ the Lord, that there's a new land to look forward to. There's a new hope, a a new future, a forgiveness of sins, Christ's cosmic empire coming towards you, a new way to live through his cross and resurrection. You can have a new citizenship in heaven. You can have allegiance given from Christ to you and you to Christ. And the one who died and rose again. That gospel seed being cast out. And Jesus says, some listen and some refuse. Some listen, but then fall away. Some listen and spend years, but then leave Christianity. Why? Why? This is the insight Jesus gives us. Everyone in this room, if you've you've been around the church and been around Christians for, for any amount of time, you know all these kinds of soils. You've seen them. You've met them. You've prayed with them. You've counseled them. You've tried to help them. And Jesus says, this is how it happens. These are the kinds of responses people have to the gospel. And Jesus wants to invite you to have the right response to him. And so he begins with soil one. He breaks down soil one. Soil one doesn't get it. Soil one doesn't get it. Look at verse 19. So here's what he says. The word of the kingdom goes out and doesn't understand it. And the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. So that first soil, Jesus says, they just don't understand. They hear the teachings of Jesus. They hear the implications of who Jesus is, but it's not getting through. McFly, hello. Hello. And notice, these are all soils Jesus talks about. These are people that they're not even outrightly opposed to Jesus. These, these seeds are not being thrown against metal walls. They're being thrown against dirt. They're not being thrown at lava. They're not being thrown in water. These are, pretty, these are people that are, hey, I'm willing to hear from Jesus. It's people that come to church every week. People that read Christian books, listen to Christian books. They hear but don't hear. hear. And for some of us, I bet you can think back on your life. And maybe you even grew up in the church. Maybe your parents even took you to church every week. And your dad, maybe he was just a nasty, cruel man. He'd sit in service, wear a suit, listen to sermons, but then he was a total monster throughout the week. Jesus says, I can show you how to think about that. He did not understand. He'd never really heard. It was sown gone. He was pathy soil, the one that is just made for moving on, doesn't stick. Because Jesus is constantly telling us in the Gospel of Matthew that the evidence of hearing, of being a disciple of Jesus, is change, is transformation, is fruit. That's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Whoever hears these words of mine and does them. My concern for people in North Houston is that there's just a lot of hearing, not a lot of doing. Because faith without works is dead. You can sit in church, you can hear messages, agree with what is said on Sunday, but then if it doesn't do anything for your life, if there's no allegiance, there's no sights towards eternity, Jesus says that path, like those boots, was just made for walking on. It's hardened. And the bird will come in and eat it, he says. the evil one will come and snatch it. That's what Jesus says the devil is looking to do, even right now. Like what he says, the evil one will come and snatch away what was sown. We all know the devil went down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal. But do you know the devil's looking for a seed to steal? He even wants what you're hearing right now. He wants to snatch it away. Forget me. What you're hearing now from Jesus, from his mouth, by the Spirit, the devil wants to come in and snatch it and distract you and move you to something else. He wants the gospel word you're hearing, you're reading, you're meditating on. He wants to snatch it away and then distract you with what's going on at your job. That even right now, you could be sitting here thinking about, I can't, it's so stressful at work. That the devil is trying to snatch away seeds. He wants to call your attention to the drama in your family. He wants to remind you of an argument you had with your spouse a couple weeks ago and you're thinking about that now instead of thinking about Jesus. He, He even wants you to get thinking about the Astros. I wrote this before they won last night, so I was, you know, the thing was gonna be different. But even now that they won, I could be thinking about it. What Jesus is saying is we are in a spiritual war. And Jesus wants you to understand the implications of following Him, of being a disciple of Jesus isn't just a one-time prayer. It's not just a get out of hell card, and that's the next soil that we must understand that soil two, real Christianity is not just short-lived. Soil two is short-lived. Look at verse 20. And then there's the one sown on the rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word, hear the gospel, hears about Jesus and immediately receives it with joy. So there's happiness. This is the person that you share the gospel with or they're at a church, they hear the good news and they hear what Jesus offers and they say, I'm in I'm ready to leave it all behind. I'm done with this way of life. I want the forgiveness Jesus offers. They get baptized. The, the church rejoices. We, we film their testimony. We share it on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. They spring up fast and we just marvel at their testimony. But then what happens? 21. But he has no root and is short lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. You see the contrast? As fast as it sprang up, immediately, immediately falls away. The first speed bump and the wheels come off. As soon as it was felt that there's a real cost to following Jesus, it's considered too expensive, not worth it. It's fun to say you believe in Christ. It's fun and exciting to want to receive the things Jesus offers. But when someone finds out it's not as fun to follow him, they think it's not as fun to actually follow him, not as exciting to actually follow him, then they walk away. Coming to church is the easiest thing anybody could do. Show up week after week. But enduring with Christ, walking with him, if you're persecuted, brothers and sisters all around the world who are persecuted, Endure with Christ. If someone wants what Jesus offers, but then sees the price tag for what it causes in this life is too high, they fall away. Here it might be social persecution, and I think that's going to happen more and more. As you saw, even a, a presidential candidate talking about how churches should lose their tax exempt status because they're not in line with the culture. I don't think that's going to happen now, I think it will happen soon, uh, probably in my lifetime. We will get more comforts tossed out. There will be different kinds of distress. And sometimes the distress that someone goes under is the distress of losing their sin. Sometimes people love an idol, love a sin so much that the distress of losing that because of Christ, they want out. And I've baptized these kinds of people. We've seen them here in this building in the other building, seeing them baptized. They they heard the message. They are overwhelmed with joy at what Jesus offers. We clapped. We were excited. But then eventually, when they have to actually follow Jesus, they fall away. It's short-lived. We must believe what Jesus believes. And we must also do what Jesus says to do to think what Jesus says to think about marriage, about family, about money, about romance, sexuality, work, pleasure, all of it. Jesus is lord of all. But when that tension point comes, they crumble away because Jesus says it was just superficial. It was topsoil. It was bandwagon. It's kind of treating the gospel as the open sesame to eternal life. That's much more than that. So beloved We can't just want the honeymoon and not the actual marriage. That's not how Jesus operates. You can't just want the gift of heaven and also not want the giver. These are people that say, I want Jesus to save me. I just don't want him telling me what to do. And this is one reason why we stopped doing spontaneous baptisms. We used to do, we'd have people that were planning to be baptized and then we'd offer up. And anyone else that wants to be baptized, we got people in the back, they'll counsel you, meet with you, and then we'd love to see you baptized. We decided we're not gonna do that anymore. One, because it's too difficult to tell if this conversion is genuine, if they're, if they're really trusting Christ in just this short two-minute window of time. And because historically, we know it from experience, we've baptized people who were excited, who sprang up with joy in the service, and the counseling room, and then they fall away because they weren't actually rooted in Christ. They were just excited. This is why the early church also started having catechism classes before they baptized people had people go through months of learning to see, do they really believe? They wanted to watch the soil. And this is a good reminder for us. Our church has a lot of young kids. It's wonderful to see people respond to joy in the gospel. But that's, that's not enough. Exciting testimonies, they can be as empty as Enron's portfolio. And he who has ears to hear, hears. It's the time-tested testimony that should excite us. Real conversion is born out over time. When when the great revivals happened in New England, they asked George Whitfield, the great preacher, how many people were converted? How many people do you think were saved? You know what his answer was? We'll see in a few years. Because real conversion is borne out over time. And with so many young kids in our church, we can get so we can get excited that, oh, somebody they, they prayed the prayer. They repeated what I said or they raised their hands or they said this or that and that's good and we don't want to discourage anyone outright but also know at the same time, discipleship is drawn out over time. Not just a one-time moment. The evidence of being born again is not a one-time decision to trust and follow Jesus but it is the many decisions to trust and follow Jesus. The daily decisions to trust and follow Jesus. The days, the months, the years of your life. Do you see that in your, in your life? Is Jesus the reason behind your decision-making? I love what Eugene Peterson said. Discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. It doesn't get distracted. It doesn't get too much pressure and crumble. It doesn't get crowded. You ever pick up your phone to do something specific? And before you know it, you've ordered all kinds of stuff on Amazon? <laughs> of course we have. We're like, what was I wanting to do? I don't remember. Now I'm on Facebook. Now I'm on Twitter. What, what is going on? We were crowded. We were distracted. And that's what Jesus says about the next soil. Soil three is one that's too crowded. Look at verse 22. There's too many cooks in the kitchen in the soil. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. This is the one that hears the word, likes the word, gets what the word is saying, but thorns choke it out. like that garden in the book of Proverbs that is overrun. It's not kept up. It's not taken care of. It's not tended to. It's like that neighbor in your your neighborhood. We've all seen a yard like this. Who for somehow, some reason, you got a letter from your HOA because you left your trash can out one night. But they seem to get no letters for the car growing, you know, in their yard with stuff all over it. This is what James talks about, the double-minded person. They want what God offers, but want what the world offers too. I want Jesus, but I, I want the pleasures of this world. And that's why Jesus says, the worries of this age, this is the soil, this is a person that is too focused on here and now and not the to come. Not what, it's eternal. And there are probably people here. You say on one side, I want God's kingdom promises. But on the other side, I also want that person that's not my spouse. A teenager or a college student, you hear what the scriptures say, what Jesus promises, but the temptations of parties and pornography, they, 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 they want to choke the life out of you. You think it's gonna be Life. But it is the deceitfulness of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus uses that phrase to show us it's phony, it's hollow, it's empty. And when he says the deceitfulness of wealth, don't check out and think, well, he's clearly talking about billionaires, I'm good. No. Everyone in this room, we are filthy rich compared to Jesus' original listeners. We are filthy rich. And with more money comes more opportunity to get choked out, for more thorns to be in your life, till the garden, rip out the weeds, build the fences, repent, follow the crucified and risen Christ. What things in your life could you you point to and say, this is choking my discipleship with Jesus? Jesus. What does the spirit bring to mind? This is choking out my discipleship with Jesus. The scriptures say that Moses considered the treasures of Egypt not even worth comparing being with the people of God and walking with God. So How about us? How about you? No, I I have to have Facebook. I have to have social media. I gotta have TikTok. Not if it's choking out your discipleship with Christ. I have to work out at this gym, even though it tempts me every moment I'm there. No, you don't. I have to have this house. Uh, I, I, it's, even though it's crippling us financially and my, my spouse and I, we fight about it constantly. I, I, I have to live here. No, you don't. I gotta have the status. No, you don't. Whatever keeps you from being faithful and fruitful, choke it out before it chokes you. As the Puritan John Owen said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. On the morti- read his book on the mortification of sin in believers. It's an extended meditation on Romans 8, 13. If you put to death the deeds of the body by the spirit, you will live. But if not, you will die. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. You see, see the differences in, the, in these soils? These first three soils all heard, but they didn't understand They didn't do. They were choked out. They didn't find life. They didn't produce fruit. And that's what soil four is. Soil four is the fruitful soil, the one that hears, the one that does, and the one that understands. And this is why I'm so burdened by ministry in the Bible Belt, is that there's just so much hearing that can go on And not a lot of producing. Not a lot of really trusting and walking with Christ. Is that you, yourself, you could be deceived by just church attendance. Clearly I'm a Christian because I I come here. That's not what makes us Christians. Just last night, Oliver and I, we were were talking. And he was talking about my mother. And he he said, uh, he goes, I don't think Mimi is what he calls my mother. I don't think Mimi's a Christian. And she is. And I said, well, why do you think that? She doesn't go to our church. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, hold on. That's that's not how this operates. I I get what you're thinking. Um, She's a Christian. She just goes to a different church. They live over there. It's a good church and all all that kind of stuff. And uh, I said, well, buddy, how how do you know if you're a Christian? He said, well, I come to church. I said, man, I say this stuff every week. That's why you can't fall asleep in my sermons. Like, I say, it's not about coming to church. And he's awake right now. You're doing good, dude. Um, like this, I said. So, so How do you know if you're a Christian? He says, "He said, uh, well, let me tell you." He, he said, "Well, tell me." I said, "Here's how you know if you're a Christian: if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins." He goes, "I believe that." I said, okay, and if he rose again from the dead, and you're going to follow him for the rest of your life, I believe that. He's five, and I said, "Okay, buddy, that's good." Now, and the same with all these soils. It takes time. We didn't. I didn't email the elders and go, Oliver made his profession of faith last night. Let's baptize him now. Let's do it. I'm his dad. There's all kinds of dynamics there. He wants to honor us and please us and he wants to do right. But We've got to watch his life and watch the fruit, watch the soil. And you you may have seen, there's been two really public things this year. One, Joshua Harris, and two, Kanye West. Um, Joshua Harris was a prominent Evangelical pastor, teacher, author, writer. His dad was a founder of, one of the big founders of the massive homeschool movement. And now he is not involved in that and works at a terrarium shop in Portland, Oregon. Josh has recently said he's left Christianity and is affirming all kinds of other sinful lifestyles and has walked away. The problem isn't with the seed. Sometimes we hear these kinds of messages and people are like, oh man, see Christianity, see Christianity, see Christianity. All soils got the same seed, and there's a good soil that got the same seed. But see, you see over time how things shake out, and the same thing with Kanye. If you don't know who Kanye West is, a super famous uh, singer, designer, and he's recently made a very public profession of faith in Christ, and it said, "I'm I'm a new convert." I've surrendered my life to Christ. He's had a, a pastor from, who's affiliated with Master's College teaching at his events and preaching, leading Bible studies for him. Uh, he's been working on some of his lyrics, changing them, removing a, sinful stuff out of his songs and w- wanting to be more Christ-like. And so sometimes we could hear stuff like that and be like, yeah, make him the Pope now, do it. Well, we gotta give our brother time and be patient with him as discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. He's going to stumble. He's going to fall, just like you and I all do. But we come back and honor Christ. We hear and walk with Christ. And so we don't write off anybody who makes a profession. We, we watch. We encourage. We pray. We exhort. Because the good soil is the fruitful soil. That's, that's verse 23. And Adam Tyson, the guy who's ministering with Kanye, has said publicly, I've seen him repent of sin. I've seen him remove sin patterns from his life. He says, I have seen fruit in his life. So I'm excited because good soil produces fruit. Look what Jesus says. The one that's sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears, look at the threefold things the good soil does, who hears and understands and does produce fruit. So this good soil that's not shallow, that's not filled with thorns, but it's open and ready and receptive to the message of the kingdom, receives it. Welcomes it, embraces it, hears and understands. So, what does it look like to stand under the message of the gospel? Produces fruit in megaton yields. This is what Jesus says. Look, look at how much fruit one seed produces. One, some, a hundred. You gotta get that. One seed producing a hundred pieces of fruit? That's unheard of. Astronomical yields. That's the kind of investment you would hope for in your life. I'm going to invest this $1 and I'm going to get a hundred times that. You can't get a better return. So here's what Jesus is saying. The message of the gospel will bring more purpose to your life than you ever imagined. The message of the gospel in my kingdom will bring more significance to your life than you ever imagined. The message of the gospel in me will bring more love into your life than you ever imagined you will feel more loved, you will feel more cared for, you'll feel more accepted, you'll feel more purpose, you'll feel more resolve, you'll feel more forgiveness. And there'll be more fruit in your life than you've ever seen. This is what the message of the gospel does. Jesus, the parables he gives us later about the mustard seed and the leaven and the dough, how it expands. And it varies from person to person, soil to soil. Do you notice that? This is encouraging to me. Some do 100. Some produce 60. Some produce 30. So we should not be discouraged when you see the 100 person and be like, oh, I'm the 30. We can get like that. You know why? Because that's how Americans think. We hear a parable like this and we think, okay, man, how could we? I, know, I bet if they would have trimmed those branches like they do crepe myrtles, I bet they could have gotten even more next season. We just got to trim it back a little. How can we get this 30 to 60? How can we get this 60 to 100? Jesus doesn't say anything like that. I'm disappointed in that 60th one. I'm disappointed in that 30-yielder. Let's get you to the 100-yielder. That's how Americans think. That's not how Jesus thinks. Jesus looks at the fruit in our lives and he says, Amen. I like that fruit. Not, why don't you have this? If you've ever done any gardening, do you go and rebuke your soil? Bad earth? (laughs) The silly earth, why don't you get your act together? No, we've done a salsa garden before. One year, it was amazing. Amazing return, amazing tomatoes, amazing jalapenos. Next year, terrible. I didn't go out there and put my earth under church discipline before the elders. There's not enough fruit here. It failed. You know, we did a bad job. One, we didn't take care of it. I think we put it in too much sun. And then I think we overwatered it. It was a disaster. And some of us have been through discipleship processes that are a disaster. Too much heat. Overwatered with wrong things. Bad chemicals been put in. We've been put under over strenuous situations to try to, to, try to fast track discipleship. According to Jesus, the, the Christian life really isn't overly complicated. I love what Jared Wilson says, kind of riffing on Matthew 11, where he says, Jesus didn't say all who are tired and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you steps. But come to me and I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your soul. According to Jesus, the fruitful ground, the fruitful life is the one that hears, that understands, and then does. Whoever hears, understands, and does. That's the Christian life. You hear what Jesus says, understand what he's calling to you, and then by faith, I'm gonna do it. Jesus says, repent, turn from that. I hear you, Lord. I'm gonna do it because I trust you. Jesus says to love your enemies, to forgive. Okay, Lord, I hear you. I understand you. And no yeah buts. We love the yeah buts. There are no yeah buts in the kingdom. There's just yes, Lords. So yes, Lord. And remember what Jesus said at the end of Matthew 12 as, as he teed up all of these parables. What does he say? 1250, the last verse, right before he launches into this parable, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother. Who are the ones who are in the kingdom? The ones who hear, who understand, and do. So whoever believes in Jesus, whoever trusts in Jesus, whoever depends on Jesus, Whoever follows Jesus in the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns of life, whether it's gonna be walking on water that we're gonna see in a couple weeks with Peter or whether it's walking through cancer like we've seen with so many in our, in our church body, whether it's learning to navigate singleness in a way that honors Jesus Christ or whether it's trying to repair your marriage, whether it's loving an enemy or trying to love and parent your, your children in the way that you would want to be loved. Fruitful soil understands what Jesus calls us toward and understands how He empowers us to do it, and then by faith we do it. So, what soil are you? Are there marks of hearing and producing in the acreage of your life? And, and remember, it, it takes time, it's seasonal. It, there's waves and harvest and, and bunches, it's the arc of your, of your life. That's why we know there are seasons. There are strawberry season and not strawberry season. But because we're great farmers in America, we have strawberries year-round. They're not meant to be year-round. That's why sometimes when you buy them and you bite into it, they taste like candy. And other times what happens, the strawberries go bad in a day. They're already going bad in the little container. They're all moldy, but yet we're buying them because it's not in season. And sometimes your Christian life, there are things that there's, you, don't have any, you don't have any fruit right now that you can see because it's not in season. You got a different fruit in season. You got other stuff growing. This is the Christian life. Is the kingdom seed bearing fruit? Maybe you're panicked that you might be one of the three bad soils. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I might be one of those three bad soils. And if you notice, the one out of four is good. So as a preacher, this is really comforting to me. One out of four are gonna have a good response. If you're worried that you're one of the three bad soils, here's what you do. Don't stay that way. If you're worried you're the thorny soil or the, the shallow soil, the rocky soil, but you're hearing what Jesus is saying, the grace of God is turning you. So if you're sitting there thinking, I might be one of the bad soils, Jesus is telling you, guess what? You're hearing me. You're not one of the bad soils. You're hearing me. So, understand me and do what I say. Believe in me. Turn from your sin. Trust me. This is the word to all of us. Don't just hear Jesus rattling off what he knows about gardening, hear him describing the kingdom. So, what he says in verse 9 let anyone who has ears listen. Verse 18, so listen, so understand, so follow. This is what the call is listen to Jesus. This is the whole life, the whole Christian life. Listen to Jesus. Understand what he says and then follow him. Get your soil tested. Get your hearing tested right now and know that Jesus has the perfect punchline. He always makes sense. Let's pray to him now. King Jesus, help us. By the power of your spirit, help us now, Lord, that we would see And hear what kind of soil we are. Are we hearing you? Or are we nonchalant about what you offer? Are we shallow, superficial, springing up with joy when it costs us nothing and then falling away when it begins to cost us something? Are we tuning you out when it gets difficult? Lord, help us. Help us to be on one side, faithful casters of the seed. Just tossing it out, sharing the gospel, hoping whoever and many will come. And at the same time, Lord, help us to be the good soil. Put some miracle grow into us, Lord, by the power of your spirit, so that we could hear, that we could do, we could understand, and we could bear fruit in our lives that you brought out that is beyond anything we could ever think or imagine in our church, in our homes, in our lives. Help us now, Lord. We want to walk with you. And it's in your mighty name we pray, King Jesus. Amen.